Hi, and welcome to The Labor of Love, a podcast about marriage, family, and making peace with the people we live with. I'm Lori Leibovich, editor of RealSimple.com. The International Encyclopedia of Marriage and Family states that, quote, more than an initiation into marital roles, the post-industrial honeymoon is a ritual that is socially framed as the most romantic juncture in one's life. A couple of weeks ago, I was reading my Sunday New York Times, and I turned to the travel section, and I read a story about a honeymoon that was most definitely the most romantic juncture in someone's life. That someone is Porter Fox, and in this piece, he recounted his three-week honeymoon to Italy, during which he and his new wife danced to their wedding mix in Venice's Piazza San Marco at midnight, drove through the Tuscan countryside in a 1981 Fiat 124 Spider convertible, and picnicked atop a cliff in Sicily. The piece got me thinking about honeymoons, how they came to be, what they should accomplish, and what's the best way to plan for and afford one. Joining me today is Porter Fox, who wrote about his dreamy honeymoon for the New York Times, and is also the editor of the award-winning literary travel writing journal Nowhere and Jackie Gifford, the senior editor of Travel and Beauty for Travel and Leisure magazine. Welcome to the show, Jackie and Porter. Thanks for having us. So, Porter, I'm going to start with you since your piece is what inspired this podcast. And I'd like you to tell our listeners about what you did for your honeymoon and what inspired the trip. We went to Italy for three weeks, like you said. It was inspired by uh, a kind of uh, fantasy that my wife had had years before we met, and she was daydreaming and wrote it down in her journal, and she would uh, travel through Europe with this uh, amazing person and drive a vintage car and take a boat to an island and have a picnic and all this. So we thought after we were married, it would be, uh, we were kind of thinking about what we might want to do for our honeymoon. And I suggested just recreating her fantasy that she had written down. So we didn't do it to the letter, but it was pretty close. And how long into your relationship did your now wife tell you about this fantasy of hers? I think it was actually right in the beginning. I mean, we were, you know, the frenzy of correspondence that goes on and then when you first start dating someone and she um, had was going through her journal and she said oh isn't this funny read this story and it was very beautiful it's actually she's a tremendous photographer but she's a great writer too on the side and it was kind of a fictional piece but it yeah I, I really liked it a lot. So for this article Porter you dug into the history of honeymoons It seems like there's not really a consensus on when and who started this tradition. Yeah, it's I think it's one of those things that's very likely gone on for a very, very long time. It makes sense that a bride and groom would take off after their wedding to be with each other for for many reasons. But uh, the historians kind of dabble in trying to figure out exactly where at least the word started. And I found one sort of historian's uh, account that said that it's a descendant of a Viking word that translates as uh, go into hiding with your woman, which really... Romantic. Back, yeah, it's, not, it's, it's, it's actually horrible. It's, it's, I'm kidding. It's, yeah, it's kind of scary how um, bridal kidnapping is really what it was called back in the day. And it was a custom a very widespread custom in ancient times. And 
there's there's a more modern word for it now. I believe it's human trafficking. But <laughs> uh, back in the day, this is kind of how uh, this post-marriage trip happens. And then once the bride's family stopped looking for her, that was the end of the honeymoon, and they would move back to their town. So that's one source of the word. Another source is the combination of two words, honey, which is honey, sweetness made by bees, and then moon as, um, you know, the lunar moon, and the the combination of them referred to around the mid-16th century referred to the sweetness of a new marriage. And then the moon part kind of referred to how full moon is bright and beautiful, that kind of bright new love. But the moon also fades, and your love will never be as strong as it was in the beginning. So that's kind of the source of the word. It's obviously modernized tremendously since then, mostly in, in the Belle Epoque period and the turn of the late 1800s. And that's really when people just started taking off after their wedding and, and going to romantic cities like Paris or Venice and drinking and eating and sleeping in late, which is way more fun. <laughs> you also mention that in the early 19th century in England, there was often a big group of people that would go on honeymoons together, that the whole wedding party would travel around to visit the people who weren't able to make it to the wedding. Yes, that that is the English bridal tour, which is an incredibly painful sounding tradition. Sounds exhausting. Yeah, I mean, not only are you going on your honeymoon with your parents and with everyone in the bridal party, but you're also going to see all of the guests that couldn't make it, that really couldn't find time in their schedule or perhaps they were unable to make it. You're going to go to all of their houses and stay with them for, uh, I think this this trip was upwards of a month. So it was really, uh, yeah, I, that was, uh, I'm glad that we don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> I think most of us are glad about that. So yeah. according to the website, The Knot, most trips are international, like yours, and most cost fi- more than $5,000, which I'm assuming yours did. That's amazing if you can do it, but also a very steep cost for most people. And I was wondering, Jackie, what some ideas that you might have for people who want to have a memorable trip, obviously, and relax and have fun, but can't fly internationally or spend thousands of dollars on their honeymoon. Right. Well, there are a couple ways to save money on a honeymoon. And the first thing that you should really think about is traveling during the shoulder season. And this is really a rule that applies to all travelers in general, if you're looking to save. Like, for example, you know, the Caribbean is traditionally a very popular destination for honeymooners. You know, rates drop. Like, don't travel in December and January and February. That's when everybody is going there. But if you go in April or May, it's not the hurricane season yet. It's not the rainy season. But a lot of the hotels will have significantly dropped their rates. And then when it comes to airfare, you're going to be... You're going to be able to get a deal, maybe use your miles a little bit better. That leads me to my second point is really people 
there's this whole industry right now in terms of how to strategize your points and miles, whether they're credit cards or with airlines. One blog that I religiously follow is thepointsguy.com. If you're sitting on a ton of credit card points or, you know, those United miles, there's, they're not gaining any value. So this is the time to cash them in. And whether that's for a five-night stay at a top hotel or whether that's business class airfare, use your points and miles now. And, you know, ultimately, another thing to think about is really maximizing your vacation time away from the office. And a lot of people, you know, one trend that we've been seeing is the mini moon. This has become incredibly popular. And, you know, a lot of people don't have the funds to go really far, really fast. And so what you can do is say, okay, look, we're going to do a four day break. We're going to make sure that it's amazing and we're going to have the best time possible, but we're going to save up for something longer later. So look within your immediate area. You'd be surprised how many great trips you can take. And, And when you do these mini moons, I think the key is to disconnect totally because then it just feels if you, you go away and you're you know gone for a couple nights and you're constantly on your phones and you know checking in it doesn't really feel like a break so i think that's the key is just to get away for a few nights and just be together so when couples are planning a honeymoon what are the kinds of things that they should take into account Jackie in terms of obviously there's costs and right. how much time they can take off from work but what about you know, are there a lot of people, myself included, decided to take a really mellow honeymoon because the wedding planning and the lead up to the wedding were so exhausting that I kind of knew that after that big celebration, I'd want to plop down on a beach. Other people like Porter obviously have great adventures. How do you know what kind of honeymoon you're going to want that day after your wedding, if that's when you take it? That's a really good question. I think the first thing to think about is, as a couple, you need to sit and decide what type of trip that you want to take and be honest with each other. Yes, you might be really tired, but if in the past year you've taken five beach vacations together, do you really want another one? Maybe not. Another thing to think about is if you can get the time off of work and you can take two weeks, maybe this is the time to save to go somewhere far or, as many people are doing, register for your honeymoon. There are sites like honeyfund.com where, you know, essentially it's somebody you, – you register for pieces of the honeymoon like a private hot air balloon ride or dinner by the sea, but essentially people are gifting you cash. And so that quickly adds up and you can use it towards – you know, a more expensive trip if that's what you want. I think the most important thing is for the couple to be on the same page with the type of trips that they want. If you're really into food, then why not go to a place like Italy and have a private wine tasting in Tuscany followed by an incredible five-course dinner? You really should think about what your priorities are as a couple. The other thing I wanted to mention about what honeymoons aren't anymore, and Porter refers to this in his piece, is that they're not, in general, about losing your virginity anymore, which was kind of the focus (laughs) um, not that long ago. And so when you've been living together, like many people have, it does seem like there's a lot more room to roam. Um, You don't need to be in the Poconos necessarily. No. And a heart-shaped bed. That's the thing. It's like, you know, there's there's no surprises anymore. I mean, I I had been living with my husband for six years before we got married. You know, like there's, it's, it's, 
we kind of, and we love to travel. So for us, you know, it was, we went to Paris and we just walked around and did everything we possibly could, went to museum after museum, had amazing food. And I think that really, as a couple, you need to kind of be honest. And I often find, because I get this question a lot, you know, where where should we go? He wants this and I want that. And sometimes people's travel preferences aren't always compatible and the couple, the bride and the groom have different ideas about what this trip might be. So as much as you can, you need to be on the same page. And a lot, you know, sometimes people might combine two destinations to make the other happy. You had mentioned a trend earlier, Jackie, about mini moons and taking Mm -hmm. a nice long weekend and completely disconnecting. One thing that I'm reading a lot about and hearing about a lot is what's called later moons, which is taking time when you actually have it. So taking the, if you don't have two weeks of vacation, the minute you get married, waiting even up to a year before you take off and do that special trip. That's definitely a trend. And here's why, and you can point to it for a couple of reasons. One, more couples are paying for the weddings themselves. So they don't necessarily have the funds to take the long trip right away. So they're saving. And in general, Americans just don't have the vacation time that other countries do. Say if you're in Europe, you know, where people get almost two months off sometimes, it's, it's kind of crazy to think about it, but they just have more time at their disposal. Porter, you and your wife chose to work with a travel agent for your honeymoon. What made you decide to do that, and was that a good decision? You know, there's, I, I can't think of another trip that all Americans take, or, or, take, or, or even all, most people in the world take. The honeymoon, it's almost like a, like a pilgrimage of some kind, and the result is that there's some pressure to get it right. And, you know, we're, we're not too uptight about anything, my wife and I, but people advised using a travel agent, and we used Cindy Goldberger at Hiatus Travel, which was, I think is the best decision that we made, mostly because I wasn't responsible for the trip, and my wife wasn't responsible for the trip. If we were going to get mad at somebody, we could get mad at Cindy <laughs> and say, hey, this hotel stinks. But we didn't because she did it perfectly, and every transfer was taken care of. We had a, a boat taxi from the Venice airport to our hotel, another boat taxi to the train station because it's faster, and she realized it was rush hour, and it would be easier that way. Didn't she also recognize that after your weekend in Venice, you might be a little hungover. And so she (laughs) planned for your next leg of your trip to be a little bit relaxed. Yeah, our our final night at the Cipriani, which went very late, we had to catch, uh, I think it was an 8.30 a.m. train the next day. And that's a tough transfer. We had to wake up at, you know, and that was our call. We wanted to take the morning train so we could have a full day down there. But she got a, a water taxi instead of trying to navigate the city and while we're hungover and having slept for three hours. Um, <laughs> that was That's a, worth the price that was right a great there. Choice. But it, it took the pressure off. You know, there really was no pressure. We just looked at the itinerary and we're like, all right, we don't have a choice here. We're going here and then we're going there. And I, I hadn't used a travel agent in 20 years. Right. And um, I, I will definitely uh, use her again. Jackie, I wanted to ask you before we end, there's so many people who take incredible honeymoons like Porter's and are able to go to far-flung places and have these dream trips. But if you can't do that because of your 
budget or because you don't have the time off, what are some other ways that people can stay close to home and still have an incredible time? Well, one thing that people don't probably realize is that actually a lot of a lot of honeymooners stay right within the United States, the 48 states. They don't even do Hawaii or Alaska. So, because there were, there's so much to do here. I mean, you can go to an incredible city like New York or Las Vegas or Miami, and you can go during the off season. So, for New York, exam, for example, the summertime is not the peak time to go. Sure, it might be a little hot, but the reality is you're going to get a better deal in a hotel. You've got the Big Apple all in front of you with incredible restaurants, the shows. Some things to consider, too, are, again, whether or not you want to fly or drive. If you're going to fly, maybe think about cashing in some of your points and miles to save money. Go during times that aren't the peak season. Take shorter vacations. And the reality is you will be able to find something. There's also tons of websites and apps out there that offer you the ability to do fair fair comparisons. There's a really cool app that I love called Hotel Tonight. Granted, this might not be the best thing for a honeymooner, but at the same time, it's kind of fun. You literally can find deals on hotels the, the night before. And what if you're in New York, you're already here, and you decide to just check this app, and all of a sudden you find a five-star hotel at a discount? jump on it. You just have to be a little bit more creative, but the reality is you can definitely find an affordable honeymoon, and most people do. I mean, a lot of people do take the lavish trips, but a lot of people, they've just paid for their wedding, so they are really concerned about saving. Porter, thanks so much for being on the show today. Thanks. Jackie, thanks to you, too. Oh, it was a great chat. And thanks for joining me today on The Labor of Love. If you have a domestic quandary or would like to be a guest on our show... Or if there's a topic you'd like us to cover in a future episode, please email us at tlolpodcast at gmail.com. I'd like to thank our producer, Tim Einenkel. If you enjoyed the episode, please review and subscribe on iTunes, where you'll also find three more podcasts from Real Simple. You can subscribe to The Labor of Love at itunes.com panoply or at panoply.fm. I'm Lori Leibovich, and I'll see you next time on The Labor of Love. Music